You're listening to episode 34 of the Kin Podcast. I'm Marcela, your host. Thanks for tuning in. Now, today's episode is a little different. It's a little different because one, it's an interview with one of my favorite people. And two, it was recorded in 2019, like pre-COVID. What? Like this episode, just editing this episode and listening back to our conversation, it takes me back to when things were quote unquote normal. And it has a very lighthearted tone. And I love it. I love this interview extra for that lightheartedness. And you're going to love it too, because I talked to Ashley Gad of Coffee and Crumbs. Now, Ashley is somebody that I also spoke to on my previous podcast process. We had an amazing conversation about motherhood that really helped inform my own mothering back then a few years ago. And then we ran into each other in an airport here in Nicaragua when we both had no idea that we would be on the same flight. Serendipity, if you will. And today we'll talk about Coffee and Crumbs, which is a collaborative storytelling blog about motherhood, where mothers from across the world come together to talk about their experiences themselves and as mothers. But also we're going to go a little spiritual. And wow, it is a relief to listen back to this conversation that is lighthearted and not filled with COVID-19 anxiety. It's not gloom and doom, which, you know... It's kind of like a glimpse into the past. And of course, I will talk about Harry Styles in this episode. But also, of course, we'll go deep. Because that's just how I roll. And I am excited for you to enjoy Ashley, who's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly insightful. And just a joy to talk to. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. So get ready to hear about how Ashley is untangling from kind of this web of productivity and busyness that was informing her self-worth about how self-care sometimes means taking 30 days off social media or Instagram in this particular case. But you know, I'm spoiling things. So before my kids come in here and ask me for Cheerios again, let's just get to the conversation with Ashley. Let's do this. You're listening to The Kin Show, where we explore the intricacies of the human heart, faith, relationships, spirituality, parenthood, and more, celebrating our journeys as seekers. We believe in love, in giving more of it to every person we interact with and to ourselves. We believe in living with intention for our children, for our communities, and most importantly, for ourselves. We believe we are all one family, one kin kindred spirits loved unconditionally by God. And we believe it's more important to actually know God than to just know about God. Seeker, writer, photographer, your host Marcella Chamorro shares perhaps way too many personal stories and asks you the right questions to help you uncover what's best for your life. This is not our practice life, so let's make the most of it. Are you ready to hear inspiring interviews and coffee table chats with Marcella? Grab a cup of coffee and prepare to transform your definition of your dream life. Here's your host, boy band lover and master of deep conversations, Marcella Chamorro. You're speaking to me on the night that at midnight, Harry Styles' new album comes out. And I'm like, wait, so 
I'm going to be, you know, talking to Ashley like at 8.30. Like, should I just stay up till midnight and wait for it? I don't know. Who? Okay. <laughs> this sounds so dumb. Who is Harry? I, I, no. I feel like I know this name. Is he from a boy band? He was. Or am I missing? He was he in was. One Direction. But One Direction. Okay. But now he's out on his own. Now he's out on his own. And he wow. do, he did double duty on SNL last weekend. Uh, or yes. like two weekends. Okay. I'm like, why does the name sound familiar to me? It's because I saw him on SNL. That's, yes. That's the only reason I even know that name at all. Yes. Okay. So he has a new album or a new song He has dropping? a new album coming out oh tonight. He has three new songs. The thing is that I've always been a teeny bopper. And like okay. my poor kids yep. like can sing his new yeah. songs. Oh, they are like watermelon sugar. Hi. Well, they're doing Legos. And I'm like, this is so bad. That song. If you knew what that song was about, child. Like, oh, my goodness. Um, I haven't heard it. I'm going to have to look it up when we get off this call. I know you're I'm like very curious into like now. the folk music. I'm into like pop. music. I'm so <laughs> such a Harry Styles teeny bopper. Like, it's so bad. I love it. Those songs are catchy, though. I like a little T. I like a little T Swift. I'll just I'll, I'll confess. You know, she's amazing. She came out as like my number two artist on Spotify really? this year. And I was like, really? Oh my gosh. I didn't expect yeah. that. But the but the album was good. Yeah, it was it you was know? good. Yeah. She And then there's like artists like Sean Mendez where I'm like, just don't open your mouth, but you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> just a high pitched voice. I don't know, but just you're so cute. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. No, it's just my friends are like, like Marcela, it's too much. Like we're 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 old now. <laughs> like, I'm never but gonna get over relative. my pop stars. Yeah, I mean, what what kind of music are you supposed to listen to at Seriously. our age? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I it's just too much. Yeah. I think that every day I wake up like as Harry Styles is putting out his album, so like every night, every day I wake up and on my Instagram Explore page, he's like, it's like Harry Styles threw up on my <laughs> Explore page, like James Corden Crosswalk concert, James Corden he hosted oh SNL, blah, he's on this magazine. I'm like, I'm loving that this. is too funny. <laughs> I f I so rarely even go to my Explore page. You're making me wonder what would be on mine. I have no idea. You know, I have this strange thing with Instagram where I try to keep myself to i only follow 150 uh -huh. people yeah i don't just because like i just it's, it's too so much, much. i know i know i but then i get bored yeah so i go to my explore page yeah that's one way so. to do it i kind of wish i mean i don't know if instagram will ever do this kind of feature but i wish instagram had certain feeds you could follow like hmm. there are a number of celebrities that i would like to follow and i would just like them to be in a celebrity feed and when I want, yeah, like Twitter yeah, lists. when I want to check the celebrity feed, I just go to the celebrity feed. But I don't want all those celebrities in my regular feed. And then I wish there was a feed for just my real life friends, and a feed for my mm -hmm. Instagram friends. <laughs> just, and I feel you. I don't know. It, it'd be nice to kind of have a list, and then when you're in the mood to peruse each thing, you can just peruse each thing. I don't know. I kind of do that where I have a, a very small Instagram account for my podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's very small because I had some momentum with this podcast and it was going great. And then the HG hit and then just oh all hell gosh. broke loose. And boop, boop, yeah, boop, boop. totally. But so that Instagram account, I f you know, is where I follow a lot of like spiritual mm -hmm. and motherhood and like all this kind of content. Mm -hmm. So when I go on there, I'll read this stuff. And I'm not going to lie, though, like after five minutes, I'm like, enough. Okay. <laughs> I'm good, guys. I need I'm to good. go back. Yeah. I need to go back to my explore page with hairstyles <laughs> and Freddie Mercury all over this it. This is a little too in depth <laughs> for me right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like five minutes is enough. Yeah. No, but I'm kidding. I spent a lot of time. I'm one of those old 
weird people that misses Google Reader. Yeah. And so No, that's not weird. I miss that too. I have an app that I use for all my blogs that oh, I read because I read blogs. That's so interesting. I feel like I've been having this conversation with a lot of people recently about whether or not people still read blogs because so many blogs. bloggers are turning to Instagram now and they just do micro micro posts and call it Which good. I enjoy. Yeah, me too. I, it's a very interesting... I don't know. It's an interesting time we're living in. I think that a lot of things are shifting and changing with all the platforms and it's... It's just hard to keep up with it all. but You know what's jarring about it, though? Because it's great. I love reading long captions on Instagram. But yes. it's weird when the next one is like, Friday, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then totally. the next one is like, totally. you know, five paragraphs. So, so I wish I could just grab the long ones and put them into mm -hmm. my blog reader. You know what I mean? Like the RSS yes. feed for this person yes. who always posts really long things goes yes. into my blog stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Or if Instagram had the list feature, I mean, you could have all your bloggers in a list and you could read all their exactly. lengthy captions all in one sitting. I mean, I would like exactly. that. Exactly. I, I agree. Someday. But then it becomes like Facebook, which I have now I deleted. Oh, you have. You took yes. the plunge. I'm I mean, I, I deactivated it and then reactivated it and deactivated it for like two years <laughs> where I would like I've take done that breaks. on my phone. So I've deleted the app from my phone and then I've re-downloaded and then mm -hmm. deleted and then re-downloaded. I haven't fully just gotten off of Facebook, but I'm in Facebook groups that I actually, I use so regularly that I can't seem to get completely off of it. Well, there's a thing for that, which is, is Newsfeed Eradicator. Have you ever heard of that? Oh my gosh, I feel like I have heard about this, but will you refresh my memory because I don't remember how it works? Well, I think it's for Chrome and it's an extension, but at this point oh, I'm sure that it's all okay. over the place on all of the, you know, different browsers. It just kind of deletes well, your newsfeed? Newsfeed. Yeah, it deletes your newsfeed. You cannot see oh. your newsfeed, so you can only click through your groups and your pages. Oh. That's exactly what I need. I need to Yeah, so it's just you, you don't have the crap. You yes. get the good stuff. Yes. Okay. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. I just, yeah, I use the groups so much and they're very useful to me in my life. And so I don't want to get rid of that, but I still do think I waste a lot of time on Facebook. I waste a lot of time on Instagram and that's why sometimes I delete it. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll delete it for like a weekend yeah. and I'll feel great. Mm -hmm. I deleted Instagram two times in 2019 for a month at a time. I deleted it two times for like 30 days and it was so good. And then it was weird because you come back and you're like, should What's I just on? do this what anymore? Does <laughs> Harry Styles have a new you album? <laughs> you have to kind of tiptoe back into it so awkwardly. And then you're also asking yourself the question of if my life is better without this thing in it, why don't I just get rid of it? But then that just seems so dramatic. And was it better hard when you, I mean, honestly, I will say that in the, in both of the months that I took Instagram off my phone, and was completely off of it, I think my mental health was in a much better place. I think that I I just didn't feel as anxious. I didn't feel as insecure. I didn't feel as distracted. I felt way more present in my life, and I had way more creative energy. I did way more writing in those two months that I was off Instagram, probably cumulatively, than I did in the entire year. 
But now you're back on it. Because but now I'm back to on you it. And I just, I'm <laughs> because that sounds people, amazing. I'm telling people to buy slippers every day. And I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't seem to get it I up. have to tell you. Because <laughs> I bought the slippers today for my you friend. You did? Oh, good. I hope she loves them. <laughs> she will. She lives in New York. Um, and it's really cold. She spends a lot of time oh, in yeah. her apartment or going uh-huh. downstairs to grab her son from the bus. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is great for Consuelo. Yeah. She's going to uh, love me if she's listening yes. to this. Cause I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to put this out soon. Um, I spoiled it, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, okay. So wait, wait, let's back up a little bit about yeah, this. Yeah, let's li- back up. Let's have a real, real serious conversation about this slipper movement that I have accidentally started. You are a (laughs) slipper influencer, apparently, and it is now your legacy. These are heavy words. It is hilarious. I have never. Okay, so first things first. I do not. Let's let's break this way down. First of all. I do not consider myself an influencer. I think, but apparently some, you are, because you have pushed so many slipper I, sales I, via your Instagram I had stories. No idea. I had no idea <laughs> that I had that power of influence. Until I didn't know people were listening. Until I recommended a pair of twenty dollars J Crew Factory slippers, and fifty people bought them and sent me photos of them wearing them. And I mean, it every was. Day hilarious i mean it's i'm i find the whole thing just so hilarious and so amusing and it it's making me feel good i think because so you bought them for your friend but most of the people who have sent me photos bought them for themselves which i i just really love because most of the women sending me these photos are moms it's Christmas. It's crazy. You know that all these moms are doing all the things. They're making all the cookies and buying all the presents and doing all the wrapping. And, and just, feeling bad you know, about all the things yeah, they're not doing. December is just a really busy, stressful month. I know it's not supposed to be, but it tends to be that for most women. And I just love that so many women spent $20 on themselves and bought themselves something nice. I just, I love it. It makes me really happy. I mean, everybody, so, okay, so you put out this lazy gift guide, right, (laughs) on Instagram, which is genius because nobody, I am going to say that, like, when somebody on Instagram, like Mm -hmm. an influencer, Mm -hmm. posts, like, I I did a gift guide, you know, Mm -hmm. swipe, and then you'll have a a blog post with, like, Mm -hmm. all of the things. Mm -hmm. It's too many things, and it's sometimes overwhelming, whereas you're like, hey, I'm in my house. I like Mm -hmm. my slippers. Check them out. Totally. (laughs) It's much easier bite size well and i also think there's a weird there's this weird thing with did you actually buy that thing or did the company send it to you yes or you know what i mean i just think that that is so for me with the lazy gift guide that was sort of my heart behind it was this stuff like is, i have it Look these at are me things using i it. actually own and i really did like literally walk around my house looking at stuff that we have in our house that we play with and enjoy and consume on a really regular basis. And some of those things were gifts from other people or, you know, we got them for birthdays or for past Christmases or whatever. Some of them were things we bought with our own money, but almost everything I shared is stuff we actually have and we actually use. And I think it was really fun. I don't know. I I just had a lot of fun doing it because I love giving gifts and I love thinking about gifts. Once upon a time, I really wanted to start a gift concierge 
website or app where that's literally all it would be, would just be me brainstorming gift ideas for other people and helping them find meaningful gifts for people in their lives because I genuinely really love doing that. So well, I mean, there's nothing like when you give a gift and you get feedback that's like, yes. my kid loves it. Yes. Look, he won't let it go. He yes. has, he's been playing with it for a week and totally. you just feel so validated. It happens yeah. to me all the time. This is kind of what your lazy gift guide felt like on the internet version of my uh-huh. real life version where people come over to our house. So I'll have play dates uh-huh. for my son. We have the easy roller that yes. you put on your yes. Instagram stories, but we have a tiny little patio where, and then my backyard is all grass, right? So like uh-huh. my kid just does figure eight around oh, so my patio, <laughs> figure eight. And when his friends come over, they're like, what is this contraption? Yes. And the moms come to pick him up later and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, listen, you should really get this because mm-hmm. your kid loved it. He picked it up in like five minutes. It's not that expensive. And it comes, well, this is the part where it's very important for Nicaragua. It comes shipped in a tiny little box so you can bring it from Miami. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and people love it. And th- that gratification that you get from recommending something that kids really love or yes. whoever, you know, really loves yes. is kind of what you're doing with the lazy gift guide. So I well, get it. And for better and for worse, I mean, influencers are not influencers. I do buy a lot of things off recommendations. So it could be from a girlfriend or a mom at the park or something I saw on the internet. But I, I very rarely just go rogue and buy stuff on my own accord. I buy a lot of things based on other people telling me that that thing is awesome. It's the reason why I always will read all of the reviews before I buy something. And the Easy Rollers were the same thing. I saw this mom. Um, she had two kids at the park using them. And I, I asked her flat out, what, what is that? I'd never seen anything like it before. It was so cool. But these kids were just having the time of their lives. And I knew I really wanted to basically ask my mother-in-law to get those for the kids for one of their birthdays, which is how we ended up with them. And they're great. And we get same thing, compliments on them every time other kids come over. They are one of the fun toys that everybody loves to play with. So Just going to say, they make adult versions. They do. <laughs> they do. They honestly do look really fun, and they look like a pretty good workout. I'm pretty sure their core is and engaged most of like the time they're on that. Smooth like butter. It, it's like rollerblades. It's it, so not You can't even hear them. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, my husband, JJ, like oils. It's crazy. Like, they, <laughs> the kids love sitting with him and fixing the little wheels and whatever and, and it's just do they it's work on your grass or do they just no. do them on your your patio on your just patio? my okay. little little tiny yep. little patio just mm-hmm. and in nicaragua there's no like real like sidewalk situation outside yeah. Yeah. um yeah that's the that's you know there are downsides to living in the third world and that's one of them so yeah. we have we don't have um sidewalks in our neighborhood randomly i don't know we live in just kind of a random little pocket of sacramento mm-hmm. that has no sidewalks so we're uh it's probably not as rough of a terrain maybe as what you have around to where you live but it's not as smooth as you know your typical all-american neighborhood with sidewalks so which is hard for me because i grew up in like you know, suburbs in Florida and I played outside for hours every day. And my kids are, you know, confined to my backyard, which I'm so grateful we have a backyard because I don't know what I would do with two boys without a backyard. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, there are some activities where I'm like, just go outside and Mm -hmm. figure it out. You know, that was probably the biggest selling point of our house that we live in now was our backyard. 
Um, yeah. And this is the first time. I mean, Everett ever was six or five turning six when we moved into this house. And we had never had a house with a big backyard before. This is the first time we've actually had a real, we have a very good sized backyard. And my kids are outside, I mean, every day. It's one of the greatest parts of living in California. <laughs> yeah. No, one of the things here in Nicaragua is that because there is so much, well, you, you visited, we saw each other here out of pure coincidence. Brett was like, um, wait, who are you podcasting with tonight? I'm like, do you remember <laughs> that girl we saw at the Nicaragua airport? <laughs> that is still, sometimes I'm like, so was random. Like, you know, there's not a lot of people who would go up to the person and be like, Hey, I know you. <laughs> like, and I'm like, no, but that's me. <laughs> that's to this me. day, it's probably the best, um, not not even that it was a moment that you recognized me. It was just one of the best moments of having someone running into someone that you actually know because it was so random. So random. What were the odds that we were both at the Nicaragua airport at the same time? That and is, I you have are to literally say. the only person I even know who lives in Nicaragua. I and mean, I recognized your hat <laughs> and your husband. I didn't even see your face. That is I, so funny I don't, to me. I, is, do you wear a lot of hats? I don't know. I feel like maybe in social media, like in a profile picture or something. I don't know. I can't even think of what hat it was. What hat was I, don't I even rem- wearing? I don't remember what hat it was oh now. Gosh, it's so it was a beachy kind of hat. Yeah, like a know. straw hat probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh my gosh. And I was good. like, what? And I did a double take. And that's when I saw, like, saw your face. And I was like, no, that's definitely her. <laughs> but um, context, I've been to enough. You like, should tell you should tell your podcast listeners how you just whisked us into the VIP section <laughs> of the airport that we did not even know existed, and we were total ballers on our flight home. Well, I have to, you know, just say that we pay zero dollars to get in there. It is complete. Like, okay, you know how in the states to have a black card oh, is like a yeah. big deal. Oh yeah. Here, that's those are the positive things about living in the third world. Like having a black card is like having a normal card almost. Okay. Okay. So because we have a black card, uh, we get into that VIP thing uh-huh. for free with uh-huh. one person extra. So I'm like, hey, you guys want to come? Because you know, like we're just gonna go chill in there. Um, so those those are the nice things about living in Nicaragua. Yeah. You yeah. know. So we're going on a trip with our kids on Saturday. In oh, two days. So fun. Where are you and going? I'm like, we are going to Disney World. We're doing that Disney thing. World in Florida? In Florida, yes. Oh my gosh, so fun. I've never been. We're going with my mom and dad, both and of my your brothers. Six, you're six and months pregnant, so yes. we should just acknowledge that. We're going with both my siblings and all of their kids. We oh have, there's, there's a lot of kids going. <laughs> uh, I'm six months pregnant. I had really bad um, hyperemesis gravidarum. I fainted like three weeks ago and had to have an iron infusion because oh my gosh. Um, if it was it was either an iron infusion or a blood transfusion. So <laughs> my dad's like, and we're getting you a wheelchair. And I'm like, I don't know how we're gonna push a wheelchair and a double stroller, JJ. But we're maybe you push me in the wheelchair and I'll push the double stroller. I don't know. We're gonna figure it out. <laughs> the side um, benefit of that, you might get to like cut to the front of the rides. Do you get to do that if you're I in a wheelchair? I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to waddle around. Oh, I don't my know. gosh. It's going to be I, so fun. It's going to be very tiring, though, but so fun. And we're renting a house, which is ridiculously cheap because there's so many people, you know? Yes. Sometimes it's yeah, like the bigger the party. The, yes. And it has theme rooms. So my kids are staying oh in a Harry gosh. Potter themed <gasps> room. Best Christmas ever. There are, my my son's 
kindergarten teacher. Every day I pick him up at school. She's like, hey, three days left. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that he is telling you the countdown. Oh, that's so okay. cute. He's so excited. He Aww. is so excited. So that's we're going really back sweet. to the VIP on Saturday because there it's no big deal if they run around and make noise and they're contained. But yeah. anyways, yes. So you and I, we and Brett and JJ, we hung out in the VIP. <laughs> and... um but I've been to enough conferences like South by Southwest and like uh-huh. this other one called Strangely World Domination Summit. <laughs> no, it sounds weird. But I've been to enough conferences where I've kind of become comfortable saying hi to random people that I know on the interwebs but don't know oh, an actual yeah. person. You know what I mean? Yes. So I was like, hey, yes. you were on my podcast <laughs> like two months ago. What's up? What you doing here, girl? <laughs> um, which, which I want to – okay, so – I'm going to use this as a into coffee and crumbs okay. because when we, you, when you and I spoke, this mm-hmm. was like three years ago. Oh my gosh. Three years ago. Cause Nick, I was pregnant like with Nicolas. It was a very long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we spoke a lot about your project, coffee and crumbs, which I want mm-hmm. to ask you to intro to us and how you manage that with motherhood. Can you tell us a little bit about coffee and crumbs? And, sure. and I'm really interested in, on, the the journey of coffee and crumbs mm. because I feel mm-hmm. like where you were at with coffee and crumbs back then, which even wasn't just the beginning, you were already quite mm-hmm. a bit into it, maybe like mm-hmm. a year or two into it, is different to where you are now. So mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah. So gosh, where do I start? The intro to coffee and crumbs is in 2013. I really just was not loving how motherhood was being portrayed on the internet and sort of had this idea to create a space where women could talk about motherhood differently. And I launched that space in 2014 as just a collaborative blog. And the goal there was to create a really safe online place where mothers could write very honestly and vulnerably about what motherhood was really like. And that was sort of the whole vision at that point in time. That was July of 2014. I gathered a small team of writers, mostly women I knew, either in real life or through the internet. And then a few more joined the team pretty shortly after who had sent in submissions that were just really good and strong. And back then it was just kind of like, oh, do you want to just be on the team? I mean, the whole thing was just such a such a grassroots effort made up of all volunteers. And it was we were just very scrappy. We were very scrappy back in 2014. And the blog just took off really quick um, by God's grace. I mean, our. We had a handful of essays go viral very quickly, and we just kind of grew this really organic fan base very fast. And after that, we sort of kind of just kept going with the momentum of that. You know, we started a newsletter, we started a podcast, we got a book deal, we started teaching online writing courses, we launched a Patreon account, we started doing like a virtual Mother's Day brunch. We started doing gift guides. I mean, I don't know. We just kind of, it it just seemed like every couple of months there was just like a new opportunity or a new idea. And I just said yes to all of it. Just yes, 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 yes. And everything just kept going and growing and moving. And it was crazy. And that's sort of sort of where I am today, I would say, kind of still writing, writing that 
roller coaster of, of craziness. You know, I never, I was just talking to a girlfriend recently about the business of coffee and crumbs and how I truthfully never set out to run a business. I never set out to launch a business or to have a business. I, I wanted to make a blog (laughs) and my whole vision and my whole dream for coffee and crumbs was so much smaller than what God really had in store for us. And it's been really amazing to watch that unfold. It's been really challenging at times. It's been very humbling. Um, a lot of this work has been rooted in a lot of my own personal insecurities and sort of just been learning along the way to just trust God, trust God, trust God with all of it and hold all of this work kind of loosely with open hands. But it's been really, really amazing to watch it unfold into what it is today because what it is today is nothing I ever saw it becoming back in 2014. Well, That's kind of the long-winded. No, no. <laughs> long-winded and, and intro. I, I appreciate that because it kind of – it references what I really wanted to talk to you about, Coffee and mm-hmm. Crumbs, is that I can't specifically reference like one blog post or one Instagram mm-hmm. caption or something that you mm-hmm. wrote. I don't know where, but mm-hmm. if I roll up mm-hmm. everything that I've kind of seen of yours mm-hmm. over like the last year, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you, you've spoken a few times about kind of struggling with like the type threeness, the mm-hmm. Enneagram type threeness <laughs> of your personality. And I've done yes. a whole episode on, on the Enneagram here on, oh, good. um, on the podcast, uh, with, with, uh, two amazing people from, from Instagram who have an Enneagram account that is crazy. I'll send it to you. It's amazing. Yeah. I really want to hear it. Yeah. Just my Enneatype. type. It's so good. They went from like zero followers, like 200,000 followers and like oh my gosh. snap your fingers. I wonder if people... I'm following them because I'm following a handful of very big Enneagram accounts, but I mm-hmm. couldn't tell you what they're called. Well, the, it's just amazing how people are so drawn to yes. the typing, right? And yes. you've mentioned that you're type three, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, the achiever, but you've mentioned a lot about how trying to like do nothing sometimes <laughs> or, or trying to <laughs> enter this phase of calming the three (laughs) a little taming Um, taming it (laughs) taming it you know and so I'm curious what kind of led you to that point was it burnout Mm -hmm. was it was it you know fit I would I would you know mental burnout spiritual burnout which is another thing you know yeah it's interesting because I I really think that the Enneagram sort of entered my life at a really just interesting time. And I had known about the Enneagram before. I was kind of slower to get on on the train. I, I think it was getting a lot of hype and I was kind of like, I don't really know if I care about this. And then the more that I kind of started just dipping my toes in the water, the more I started realizing, wow, this is very insightful. And a lot of these things that I'm reading about myself in the road back to you specifically was probably one of the most life-changing books I, I have read in terms of just my own kind of personal wiring. That was also my intro to the Yes. Yeah. I, I just remember reading that chapter on threes and just feeling so known and so seen and so understood in a really kind of creepy and powerful way. Um, but I think what's really cool about the Enneagram from, for my personal experience is that I've been able to take a lot of that knowledge and watch God do something crazy in my heart 
with it. And for me, it's not about, oh, I just became an expert in the Enneagram and now I'm this totally better person. And I can type you from 10 feet away. Yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not at all what it's been for me. Um, I think what it's been for me has just been kind of a, a somewhat quiet season of just internal work um, on myself. And I think just paying attention to some of my own, uh, my own habits and my own tendencies that are unhealthy and, and sinful and letting God kind of show some of that to me in really powerful ways. And so I feel like for the last, you know, I've been kind of more in tune with that for maybe the last couple of years. And I've just really felt God working in my heart in this, um, this really interesting, strong kind of untangling process. That's sort of what it's felt like to me. That's the analogy that I've just been using. Like, I just feel like God is untangling me from this web that I was wrapped up in for a long time, this web of, of busyness and of work and of putting so much weight in my own achievements and my own accomplishments and really just, um, constantly needing to be validated for that work, I think is something that he's also been untangling me from. And just this like quiet reminder over and over again, you are loved for who you are and not for what you do. And I, I have just heard that over and over and over again in, in different ways, in different situations, in different conversations with people. And it's really allowed me to open my hands even more with coffee and crumbs, with my job, with my work, with my leadership, with all of the things that I have on my plate on any given day that I can just open my hands with it. You know, I don't have to have these closed fists where I'm trying so hard to like maintain control over all the things that I'm in charge of, that my reputation depends on, you know, um, because that is in my unhealthy state, that is my tendency to hold it all so tightly, to be just tightly wound around that. And slowly but surely, God has just been like opening my fingers and just really untangling me um, from that lie that, you know, my identity rests in what I do, because that's not true. You know, my identity rests in being a daughter of God. And I have never felt more reminded of that than I do today having this conversation with you. And that I have in the last couple of years as God has really just been calling me like into a place of stillness with it. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I experienced that with my children, mm. Like that, that for me was kind of the door to opening, you know, to realizing where our value and our self-worth comes from. Cause mm -hmm. I realized like my kid, yeah. my kids, they don't have to do anything mm -hmm. for me to love them. Like mm -hmm. they, they legit could, they're just sleeping and then you just want to mm -hmm. cry out of love for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's something that I, I have been talking to my kids about, a lot lately because of Mr. Rogers. And I know he's like all the rage right now, but because he's amazing, there's a reason for that. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I read, especially my five-year-old, my two-year-old, he's like, huh? 
my Lightning McQueen. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, go on, play with Lightning McQueen. I'll lecture you in a year. Um, the five-year-old was sitting and he loves it. He eats it up when I'm like, you know, I like you for who you are and I love you. Yeah. When you're mad and when you're sad and when you're happy and when you're misbehaving and when mm-hmm. you're behaving and it doesn't matter, I'll always mm-hmm. love you no matter what you do, no matter what you say. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, really? Like I might want you to behave but that doesn't mean i love you any less you know and Mm. um and it really got me thinking i'm like if i'm just human and i love them this much yes i can't even start to imagine Mm -hmm. how much god loves me Mm. but then again it's hard to live it it's hard to really internalize it because you know this summer when i was hit by really bad hyperemesis and i was in bed without being able to get up for seven Mm. weeks um, couldn't drive anywhere. Couldn't, I couldn't even shower. I had a plastic oh chair in the shower. Um, oh my gosh. yeah, there was one night where I got up to the bathroom because, you know, you're pregnant, you pee like 15 million times a night. Mm-hmm. And my husband said he just heard like a coconut falling on the floor and it was my head and I just fainted oh. and it was oh just, my gosh. it was just really bad. Um, and so then it became like a mental storm of, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a type two, which is the helper. Mm-hmm. So I can't be there for my kids. I couldn't do anything for them. Couldn't yeah. bathe them, couldn't dress them, couldn't take them to school. I was able once to go school in the morning on his first day of school, first day of kindergarten at a new school. And I was able to go, but, um, haven't been since that was in August. Haven't been to school in the morning since my husband is, does the whole morning routine. Cause I just, mm. I can't right now. Um, anyway, so this whole, you know, who I am without the doing came back, mm-hmm. even though I was like, I thought I was like level four in this, but I'm really <laughs> like level one and a half. You know, yeah. I thought I had mastered this, but no. Um, so it's interesting how it's like we, we go around and around kind of like in a downward spiral mm-hmm. on, or maybe it's like an upward spiral mm-hmm. <laughs> of learning the same lessons over and over, but deeper. Yeah. You know, it's hard though to internalize it. What, what are you doing now? I mean, you mentioned that you erase Instagram sometimes or, you know, kind of managing yeah, being more present I, and stuff. How does that actually play out in your day to day? Yeah, I think that um, just on the work front, I have, I mean, kind of slowly been making strides in setting what I would just call healthier boundaries with my work life. And that's really challenging for me because I work from home. <laughs> with three children in my presence and it's difficult. You know, my boys are in school for the same time every day for like two and a half hours. And then I'm still home with the baby during that time. I have very limited childcare. I spent most of 2019 without having any childcare. And so a, a lot of my work and a lot of my family life blend into one big, beautiful mess. And it's part of one of the the best parts of being able to have a flexible part-time work from home type of job but it's also very challenging in that i never feel fully present in either life you know when i'm working i never feel like i'm fully present in my work i never feel like i'm fully present with my family it's just everything kind of bleeds into each other and so something i've been working on as i've been kind of doing this work and realizing how important it is for me to really separate myself from my work life is kind of creating these really 
strong boundaries in place. So the first thing I did, we've done this for two years now, is we take an August sabbatical. We take the entire month of August completely off. I all but like shut down the business for 30 days every year in the month of August. And August was kind of an arbitrary month. I remember the first year that I picked that, that would have been two years ago. I think I just generally, I logged into our website and I looked at our analytics, which I never even look at and just noticed across the board that our traffic was a lot lower in August. And it just clicked for me. Okay, well, August, less people are on the website for whatever reason. That's a good month for us to take a sabbatical. And so... We just go dark for August. We do no blog posts, no essays, no newsletter, no podcast, no social media. I mean, the whole space, we just kind of go dark for 30 days. And that was a pretty big step, I'm going to say, because I think, I don't even want to say that I was like really worried about it, really worried about what everyone was going to think. I think at the time I was really set on, I really need this, so I'm just going to do it. But I will say I was really pleasantly surprised by the positive feedback we got. It was kind of one of those things where I felt like I was kind of taking a little bit of a leap of faith. You know, I really feel like God's calling me into more stillness, more rest, better work boundaries. I'm going to try this and see what happens. And the day we announced it, I mean, I was flooded with positive messages. Like, this is so good for your team to do this. Good for you. Thank you for setting an example for the rest of us. This is countercultural. I love that you're doing this. It was just so, not that I needed that affirmation, but I will say sometimes when you take a risky move like that, the affirmation's really nice, you know, to know that my whole business wasn't going to fall apart if we just didn't post on Instagram for 30 days, you know, and kind of all took a break. So that's kind of an example of like a really extreme thing that I'm doing now every year, taking our business kind of offline for 30 days. Um, and then kind of just like on a smaller scale, I've been trying to practice not working on Fridays and setting better boundaries with what time I turn my computer off. Um, in 2020, we I made a pretty big change with our podcast. Um, our podcast, we used to have a bi-weekly podcast and in 2018, we took it from bi-weekly to weekly, which has, was just a lot of work. Um, I want to be honest, it just became this really big beast of a production and it, it felt like it wasn't sustainable for me long-term. And so after doing that for two years, um, again, just really felt the Lord calling me into less for 2020, um, or specifically with the podcast, I felt like he was kind of calling me into less. And so we are taking our show out of iTunes next year and putting it exclusively into Patreon, which is our, um, kind of community funded platform there. It's a much smaller audience. I mean, I, I, I'm taking our show from a very, very, very big listenership into a teeny, teeny, teeny listenership. Um, is that to hoping that more people will join Patreon? Um, yes, because it's a no. hilarious podcast. I, like, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I will, I will, you know, like ride to school. I'm just like, this is so, this is funny. This thank is so, you. so entertaining. 
Thank you. Um, I, yes, thank you. That's very you sweet. You have very I, different voices, and so it's just hilarious. Yes. Well, to, April is the April is the hilarious one. I I need to give due but credit. No, but you all kind of like the it's the bouncing around <laughs> that makes it funny. You know what I mean? Like yes. just an hour of her may be different, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, she she feeds off everyone very well. But um, yeah, she's like very I, witty stuff. I love this. I know she's hilarious. Um. I would say that the main goal in taking the show into Patreon is is just to simplify it. So the way that we were doing the show, um, I mean, as of this year, 2019, was we had a weekly show with advertisements. And it it's just a lot of work. I, I can't even go into the full nitty gritty of what all that entails, but it is like a nonstop hustle work. And taking our show to Patreon next year, we're going to cut the advertising part completely out of the equation. So we're not going to have ads on the podcast anymore, which truthfully for me just feels so much more in line with what I want for Coffee and Crumbs long term. You know, our blog doesn't have any advertising on it or any sponsored content. And so I'm really excited about the idea of putting our podcast kind of in that same in that same realm. Um, but in Patreon, we can just do whatever we want in there. And I think our show had gotten to a production level and because of how our our advertising was set up and the amount of money that was being exchanged, it was just a really high stakes environment. You know, our shows had to get a certain amount of downloads every week and we had to be producing good content that was going to get a certain amount of downloads. And it was just all, it just kind of all became, um, this cycle that felt very numbers focused and so there that's was... why you did the episode on sex <laughs> i figured oh, it trust out me, there were plenty of conversations about what would happen to our numbers if we talked about sex on the podcast no, I'm joking but i totally understand what you mean that it became kind of like a hunt for the numbers instead of the podcast yeah, was supposed just, to serve people it just became this thing where like numbers was so essential to the conversation. I mean, it just by nature of how our podcast was set up, it became such a high stakes production. And we just had, we had a really big listenership, which means we were getting feedback. I mean, I'm not exaggerating every day about the podcast. We were getting messages and emails every single day, 365 days a year about the podcast, good and bad, a lot of good, some bad, but it's just still, it's, Overall, if you just look at every single nut and bolt of running a weekly podcast on the scale that we were running it, it was a ton of work and a Which ton is of not time. The vibe that you get from Coffee and Crumbs, the yeah, blog, the website, I, the- yeah, and it, and I, I, I don't ever want to imply that all of that work was on my shoulders because it wasn't. I we had a, a full team of people working on the podcast and it's not like me Ashley Gad that I was fully responsible for every single little tiny piece of it but ultimately I am responsible for every single thing that Coffee and Crumbs puts out and so if we are producing something of that magnitude I am carrying the weight of that on my shoulders I'm carrying the weight of stewarding content for an audience that large on my shoulders and ultimately it just it really felt like it was becoming too much for me. Um, and so that's why we're changing things up next year. I don't know what we're going to do in 2021. I've tried, I've 
tried to be very careful about all of my language when I made the announcement that we were going to change it for next year that like we're going to do this for 2020 and just see how it goes. I'm again going back to that idea of holding this with an open hand. I'm trusting that God is going to provide for us financially next year and that somehow we're just going to make this work. I don't know what it's all going to look like and I don't know what's going to happen the year after. But for 2020, I'm really dedicated to specifically simplifying that piece of coffee and crumbs. You know, I feel it. I mean, I'm reading this book right now, which probably everybody read like five years ago. I don't even know when it came out, but I'm in this point in my post HG trauma healing Mm. (laughs) that, um, I decided to read a book about kind of like what to do next, what is Mm. next. And this book is, um, it's basically about just do the next right thing. Yeah. Is it and Emily Freeman's book? It is. See, it's probably, probably read it I like five years re- ago. No, I, I actually, I feel like I'm the only person that hasn't read that book, really? but I'm familiar with it and I'm familiar with her. So I, I generally, I know what you're talking well, about. Well, I found her <laughs> through a blog post. I found her honestly on like the explore page of pocket, you know, oh, like that funny. app because yeah. I now have a lot of free time on my hands because I can't do much. I can't even mm. go to the supermarket without almost mm-hmm. fainting. So, oh um, it's, a, it's, it's been very strange. Will that <laughs> ever get will that ever get better in your pregnancy or Yes, the iron okay. infusion is improving everything. Okay, I've been good. able to exercise, which is a big part of who I mm. you know, I don't want to say who I am, but like who I enjoy being. Mm-hmm. Um, exercise. I'm not like, you know, like super athlete, but I really enjoy exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't done any exercise for like five months since literally so the day hard. I found out I was pregnant. So oh in goodness. this past week, I've been able to go to bar classes because bar is kind of like very chill. Yeah. Uh, it's nice. It's, I'm surrounded by women. So if I don't feel well, I could just kind of raise my hand and be like, guys, yeah. I'm going down, <laughs> um, <laughs> which hasn't happened yet, but I feel better exercising in a group for. Yeah. It's a good environment. Of, yeah. Yeah. So I, it will get better, but because of everything that happened, um, there is kind of like a PTSD small version mm. of it after mm-hmm. everything that happened physically to me. And so I'm reading this book and, and in it, there's this beautiful, you know, quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but she basically asks, you know, are you making this decision out of fear or out of love? Mm. And, and I'm just like, so true. Am I mm-hmm. not doing this because I'm afraid mm-hmm. or, you know, so trying to step into more of the love opportunities, right? And and not make so many decisions um, or walk out on some opportunities out of fear, you know? Yeah. And just doing the next right thing, just the one small thing at a time. And and that sounds like, you know, what you're doing with the podcast. Just one year, we'll see what happens and open to change after that. There's this... um I don't even remember where I saw this quote, but we, we whipped it up into a little printable for our exhale community, which is our online network of creative mothers. The quote is create from love, not for love. And if there was ever a quote to speak to my type three heart, it was that. And I Mm -hmm. feel as somebody who really does just kind of desire to be seen as successful and useful and, I really care about what people think about me. I mean, to a fault, to a, to a negative degree, I care about what people think of me. And I think that over the course of running Coffee and Crumbs, which I've been doing for five and a half years, I think that sometimes I've made decisions based on what I thought other people wanted me to do. 
you know, and honestly, taking our podcast from biweekly to weekly is one of those decisions. I knew that the listeners really wanted us to do more shows. So I flipped that switch and said, yes, let's do a weekly show so that the listeners will love Coffee and Crumbs more. Did you, you know, feel it, it in really, your gut? Like, no. I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't even think that I ever felt super resistant to it, but I do think that once we kind of got up and running, it became really obvious to me that it was too much. I mean, almost immediately. And I still did it for two whole years, even, even in the span of those two years of feeling multiple times, this is too much. And I know there are a lot of people out there doing weekly podcasts, multiple daily podcasts, doing podcasts all the time. And I don't know how they're doing it. I look at those people in total awe and I have the utmost respect for them. But I know that for me, for in those two years that we took the show from bi-weekly to weekly, year one, I was pregnant almost the whole year. Year two, I brought a baby home and was like home in the first year of having another newborn and adjusting to having a whole new person in our family while also having two other kids. For me personally, it was it was too much. And I think it took me really two years of, of doing it consistently to finally be able to say, this really just isn't what's best for, it's not what's best for coffee and crumbs. It's not what's best for me. And I still was kind of fighting that, um, you know, that tendency to want everyone to like us, you know, like I knew that, I knew that taking the show into Patreon was going to disappoint some people. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow knowing that, it was maybe going to affect the reputation of coffee and crumbs in other people's minds. It's weird being a type three because so much of, of how I feel about myself and my own, my own stuff of just me as Ashley, I also feel about coffee and crumbs. So it's like, yeah, I want to be seen this certain way and I care about what people think, but I also really want coffee and crumbs to be seen a certain way. And I care what people think about coffee and crumbs. Um, well, it's your baby. Had, it's my baby, you know, and I, it's, it's been a really interesting thing. Like the more that I kind of get into the Enneagram and have studied it and just ta- talk to other people about this specific aspect of being a three of like really, really caring what other people think. Um, it's interesting because, you know, there's, there's a healthy and an unhealthy side of that even, you know, I think it's really easy to to think of that concept as like inherently negative. If you think about what other, if you care too much about what other people think, that's just a bad quality to have. But there is a healthy side of that. And the healthy side of that is I really want coffee and crumbs to be perceived as like what I want it to be for people, you know? And so, so much of the work that I'm doing behind the scenes and the decisions that I'm making, it's not just so that coffee and crumbs will appear successful. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, I just don't care about that at all. But ultimately my bigger quest and the thing I care much more about is that coffee and crumbs is staying on mission and staying true to the purpose that it's set out to fulfill. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing back here and a lot of these really hard decisions that I'm making that are affecting the way people see our brand and see our work, ultimately, I hope that in the long run, it's going to be really obvious to everyone that every single step and every single decision that I was making on behalf of Coffee and Crumbs was so that we could become like the truest, most genuine version of ourselves. 
Well, it's it's interesting that everything you talk about is, you know, it's like you're serving God through Coffee and Crumbs, but you never mm. mention God in Coffee and Crumbs, or very mm. rarely. We do, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's a whole... <laughs> It's a whole, That's other, a whole thing. other podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We um so our team is made up of of believers and um you know in within my team itself, I would say that we all have varying degrees in which we write about our faith and share about our faith. Some women on my team hardly ever write about their faith. Some women on the team always write about their faith. It's sort of it's really different from person to person. I really love that personally that um and I hope that people know, like when they come into Coffee and Crumbs, there's no direction or quota here on what you say or what you don't say or how you say it. Um, we we edit each other so that we can be better writers, but nobody is being really filtered on how they share about what God is doing in their life. And I love that our space is able to do that because faith is messy sometimes and it's not sometimes yeah faith is messy (laughs) all the time what am I saying we're humans we're all messy all the time we're I know and I just I love that in our space we're not we're not setting out to preach to people if anything we're preaching to ourselves more than we're trying to preach to other people but I love that our space has just become this really um, safe haven for these stories that explore all of the different nuanced ways that God is moving in our lives and in our motherhood. And honestly, it's one of the things I think is really special about Coffee and Crumbs is the way that we do combine this like storytelling with, you know, kind of weaving in our faith as it as it pertains to parenting yeah i know i think my one complaint about coffee and crumbs would be like i read something lay it on me (laughs) a few years ago and i can't find it now do you know do you even know how many people message me on instagram on a weekly basis asking me that question it, it, it seriously happened I read to me. I'm like, an okay, essay wait. Three years ago, essay. it was about this, that, and the other, and the mom. The last was in a, time that your kid will lot. jump into your arms when you say yes. hello. Where is yes. it? I don't yeah. know where it is. Oh, I know. I know what essay that is. Yeah, Anna Quinlan wrote that essay. I think it has momentum in the title. I could literally find it for you in five seconds. I am a walking. I'm gonna ask almanac. you too. I'm not kidding. It happened to me. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I know Anna Quinlan for sure was the writer. I'm not 100% sure on the title, but if you gave me five seconds on our website, I could for sure find it for you. I am a walking almanac of all things coffee and crumbs, and people ask me those types of questions all the time. It's, well, how many it's essays like, are there now? I have no idea. There's so many. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. I we do we now publish three essays a week. So three times and then we're off in August. So I don't know. Three times like twelve or thirteen. And then go a back month. how many years? Yeah, five and a half years. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I'd have to sit down and do the math. It's a lot. It's it's many. <laughs> and then there's the ones in the book, which are so good. I oh, sent that book you. to many a new mom. Thank you. That's yes. Really so, but speaking about faith, one of my favorite mm-hmm. spiritual writers is Father Thomas mm-hmm. Keating. Have you ever heard of him? No, I'm not familiar. Well, he's, I, I'm kind of into, I feel like it's so funny when I talk about this stuff. I'm like, people are going to think I'm so weird. Um, <laughs> centering okay, prayer. 
Okay. So um, basically, Father Thomas Keating is, he talks a lot about sensory impairment. He, he has books about it, teaching people how to do it. And I guess there's like a correct way and an incorrect way. I don't know. But mm. it's kind of meditation, but with the Holy Spirit. That's how, okay. that's the easiest way to explain it. But anyways, it's kind of like meditation. Okay. But you are allowing the Holy Spirit to come spend time with you. Okay. That is basically what I understand it as, and I try to keep it very simple. Um, so anyways, he heavily covers in his books the three instinctual needs of humans. Like number one mm. is survival and security. Mm-hmm. Second one is affection and esteem and approval, which we've talked mm-hmm. about a lot, like check, 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 check mm-hmm. <laughs> today. And um, power and control, which mm. I think, I mean, all humans have on different mm-hmm. levels, right? But they, what he writes about is that usually there's one that is your primary uh, instinctual need and then, you know, one that comes right after and then maybe one that's not that important to you. Interesting. But so it's, it's the whole point is trying to let them go, right? Mm. So um, like the welcoming prayer for centering prayer is letting go in our daily lives, in the present moment, letting, becoming aware of when you're feeling the need for survival and security or for esteem mm. and approval or power and control and just letting it go. Mm. Um, but what's interesting to me is that, first of all, that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's so easy for me as a mom to see it in my kids. Yeah. Like when they're needing something and when there's a tantrum, which one is it? Obviously, depending on the age, power and control is like the main right. one. <laughs> right. When they're like Presley's age, which is, how old is she now? How many months? She is, oh my gosh, what day is it today? She's basically 11 months, Whoa, give or take wow. a day. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> That I, wow. I feel like we I were know. in the VIP, like, you know, yesterday and you were like, I don't know about, you know, the third. We kind of, you know, maybe yeah, not yet. No, no, We like might start trying. I know. I know. It's crazy. This year has gone by very fast. She's so cute. Very she, she really is so cute. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it's, it's very, you know, it throughout the HG, whenever I saw babies on the interwebs, I'm like, okay, they are cute. It will be okay. I am going to get through this and have my own will cute baby at the it. end. <laughs> will be worth it. Um, but anyways, uh. so it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey for me. And, I, and I, speaking to other parents, uh, especially moms, because moms like to talk about this more mm. than dads, I feel. Um, maybe it's, that's a Nicaraguan thing. I don't know. But So I see these three needs in my kids so often, you know, so, so clearly – yeah. And you try and kind of meet them, you know, like mm-hmm. whack-a-mole, you know, poop, like something comes up, you try and meet that need and that need and mm-hmm. that need and different things are always coming up and you might be looking out for this one thing. Like your kid is complaining about somebody treating him poorly in school. So you, you go really deep into that and you really try and help with that. But then this other problem pops up. Boop. You're like, right. wasn't looking that way. Um, but no parent, like, we're not perfect, right? We, and it's hard sometimes to accept that we can't control the environment uh, that they're in outside of our control or, you know, teachers, other children, you know, important others in their lives. Do you, do you still experience the same, like, type threeness when it comes to parenting? Or does that bring out, like, another side of mm. your personality. That's a really Or maybe not personality, Mary Spirit, you know? Yeah, that's a very interesting very interesting question. I 
Because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty how we're being perceived yeah. as moms. There's a lot I of uncertainty. I definitely think I struggle more with wanting to control my children and their behaviors than I do with the the way I'm like perceived as a mom or wanting to be I don't I don't necessarily think I even have really a strong desire to be seen as a very successful mom for some reason a lot of that is wrapped up in my work I think that a lot of my like my wanting to be the best or wanting to be at the top that's really really in my work life and I don't um, I'm a very B plus mom and I'm I'm really okay with that I'm not the mom that's I don't do crafts. I don't do games. I don't make good food. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just average in a lot of those things. And I, does I don't. Does that tr- make you average though? I don't know. Like, does it? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm thinking of, of what I would, if I saw a mom that I would consider to be, oh, she's a really quote good mom. I mean, what is a good mom? Right. I mean, we could I dive. guess we all have like different definitions. We all have different definitions. I guess I'm thinking of your typical, maybe your stereotypical, what we, what our culture would deem a really good mom, you know, a homeschooling mom or a mom. But you could be just, really mean and be one of those moms. That's too. true. Okay. I don't, I don't think I'm super mean, but I definitely, I guess where I was going with all of that is I think I struggle more with, I definitely try to control my children's behaviors. Like, in the present more than or I in should. the future? Like um, what I mean by that is, you know, trying to control the tantrums and the behaviors and the politeness and then yeah, the follow instructions yeah. right now, or yeah. I'm trying to control your environment so that your spirit and your heart are intact for the future. What's, are you going to be okay? That's more me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe all of it. Maybe all <laughs> maybe of it. I, maybe I have control issues is what I'm coming to terms with on this well, I mean, podcast as right moms, now. like that's our, that's our jobs, right? Like that, I that's, know. We're I, meant to I worry. Think it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think that if I were to just sum up overall, I mean, one of the greatest lessons I've learned in motherhood or that I'm continually learning over and over and over again, it's that it's how little control I have really over my children. And it's a very, um, it's a very humbling lesson to, to learn. And I think if anything, it's really shifted my perspective over like my role in my children's life you know that my role is not ultimately to make sure they live in a perfect bubble where no harm ever comes their way or where they act politely and say please and thank you every single time they should or you know that they're checking off whatever boxes I've put in my own head of what they quote should be doing and more into um, really just this position of stewardship. Like these children were given to my husband and I by the Lord. And like we are supposed to steward them and shepherd them their entire lives and point them to Jesus as much as humanly possible. And that's really, that's really it. I mean, that's, that's the main thing. You know, we have, we have goals and aspirations as parents to provide for our children and yes, help keep them safe and help them follow their dreams and do whatever they want to do with their one and precious life. But ultimately, um, I think a lot of that goes back to that closed fist versus open hand, you know, and I do think that a lot of parents are, holding their children kind of in that clutched fist. And I'm so guilty of that. I mean, I literally do it every day when I'm, you know, trying to control 
my children not putting their toothbrushes back in the drawer. I mean, just little stuff that, you know, sets me off around the house. A lot of it is like cleanliness. <laughs> I'm a total, I'm a clean freak. And I, th- this is, pro- this is my number one area of struggle with my children is just the mess that they leave everywhere, every second of the day and trying to you know, I spend so much time trying to control that behavior or shape that behavior so that my children are not total slobs, which I don't think is a horrible thing (laughs) to work on as we are raising our children. But I put way too much weight in it for sure. Um, So much so that I know there are so many opportunities that I'm like robbing my family of joy because I am obsessing over the floor being dirty, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be that way. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. I feel like I'm just rambling about. <laughs> you know what I'm all thinking? The well, you're talking about toothbrushes, and I'm yeah. thinking about like I, it's. This is such a Marcela thing. My friends would be like, Marcela, that is so deep. I'm thinking like the real problem is that I'm not trusting God. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, what is that like wow it is it yeah motherhood and 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 faith and work it's all yeah very complex yeah well we can't put we just cannot put all of the weight on our own shoulders I mean it's this for me it's the same with work that I'm constantly having to remind myself of of you know next year I just did this really risky move and made a risky decision to cut advertising out of our podcast for next year. And it's a lot of money that I'm just leaving on the table. And I think a lot of people would look at that decision and think that was the dumbest thing I've, I've ever done. Harmful, even irresponsible. Um, and I've had to remind myself so many times when I've woken up, I mean, over the past couple of weeks, I've woken up a handful of times at three in the morning, feeling stressed and trying to do math in my head of how I'm going to keep paying my team next year and where this, where I'm going to come up with this extra money to just keep all the things moving. And I've had that reminder so many times, just trust. I have to trust. I have to trust that God is going to provide for us, not in any kind of like a prosperity gospel sort of way, but in a I felt like God was really nudging me in this direction. And if he is the one who is telling me to do it differently next year, he's going to make a way. And I have to trust that. And it's the same way with our kids. Like we cannot obsess over trying to maintain control over every single part of their lives. Like at some point we have to just let go and trust that, you know, they're in better hands in God's hands than they are in ours. Ultimately, you know, we still have our own selfish ambitions, um, deep down inside and our own, our own sinful tendencies and our own desires that are going to plague the way that we raise our children, you know, and we can't hold it all so closely that we're not like allowing space for God to move and for God to teach us things. And the one thing I feel like God is teaching me over and over and over again in both motherhood and work is like the art of letting go, of just letting go. It's like that total cliche, let go and let God, which makes, I'm sure, non-Christians roll their eyes so far in the backs of their heads. But there is something to that. No, there is. And it's it's interesting that I always, you know, talk to my husband about, I'm like, you know, the hardest moments in my life or would have made me grow. Like there's this, mm-hmm. this quote that says like, we grow with the damage, not with the years. And I truly believe mm. that when I look back at my life, but when I imagine my children going through hard times, mm-hmm. not going to lie, it's excruciating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, even though I know yeah. it's a good thing eventually mm. and, and maybe next year will be tough for coffee and crumbs. Mm. Maybe it won't, hopefully it won't. But like, 
when you're feeling the nudge, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a reason. Sometimes I think about, it, I'm like, if, if I can't, and this may come off really wrong, but if the ants can't understand me, how am I going to understand God? You know what I mean? Mm. That's kind of how I feel sometimes. I'm like, I'm not going to understand maybe in the moment or mm. ever the yeah. reason behind this, but there, there has to be, if I'm feeling this nudge so strongly. Right. Um, and that's kind of how I feel also about the HG where I'm like, what was the point of that? <laughs> Explain <laughs> that to me. But, but over time, um, it does kind of become clearer, you know, that mm-hmm. the damage does have, it sounds terrible. It's fruits because there are yeah. many examples where that cannot be explained. Um, yeah. but, but no, but well, I it get also you. gives us, it also just gives us so many opportunities to identify our savior in the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that this has definitely been a thing in my marriage where Brett and I have walked through seasons where things have just been hard. You know, they've been hard for, um, whether we're dealing with grief or loss or depression or, anxiety or whatever it is that we're walking through we've been through these seasons where I can tell we were both looking at each other to to save ourselves in that situation you know I'm struggling over here so I'm looking at Brett like I expect you to fix me and Brett's over there looking at me expecting me to fix him and how many times have we been with my work, it's all, I'm always looking at myself. Okay, well, I have to fix this. Okay, this thing happened and it's a mess and now I have to fix it. And okay, this thing happened with our kids and it's really, really hard. And like, we were the parents, we have to fix it, you know? Um, and obviously we all have roles in all of those things. We have roles in our marriage and roles in our work and roles in our leadership and our parenting and all of those things. We're not just sitting by watching the world pass around us, not participating in it. But I also think that when we start, um, really blowing up our own self-importance to a savior level, that is where things can really hit rock bottom very fast. And I know that Brett and I have had a couple of wake up calls like that in our marriage where, you know, it just became really painfully obvious. Like we're looking at the wrong person to fix this situation. Um, and it's just a good, I don't know. I think there are a lot of opportunities in life when we're in those hard spaces or in a hard situation to remember who the savior is, you know, and it's never going to be ourselves. No. And I think that's something that I've, you know, from the grace of God had my therapist do for me where Mm. I showed up for the first day, never been to therapy before, super nervous. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. Right. I'm feeling awkward about this. And she was like, Uh I want you to take this book. And it was father Thomas Keating. And I'm like, Oh, I've read that book. This strange. (laughs) Nobody I know knows that guy. (laughs) How funny. Yeah. And, um, and, and ever since then, because I had, I went through post weaning depression with my second, with Nicolas. I remember you talking about this. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> but yeah, but it brought all into- these amazing things. My therapy yeah, introduced me to yeah. therapy. Oh, whatever. You know, there's all of these, I don't want to say silver lining, but mm. these fruits and gifts that mm-hmm. have uh, emerged from the darkness. Right. And, um, and one of us, one of them was, you know, therapy and, and this therapist who consistently is asking me, how's your faith? And will redirect mm. me to God when I need it. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that that's always right. We always need it. But sometimes it's just, you, when you hit rock bottom or close to 
you really need somebody to say you're looking in the wrong direction. Like, like right. you mentioned. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to take more of your time. We've been talking for over an hour <laughs> and I know I don't you don't even know what we just talked about. Was any of Harry Styles? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly I'm really not. I'm really not used to, I mean, this is so funny because this is so different from our normal podcast, which our podcast is pretty, you know, we have an outline, we have a, a script of sorts that we're working off of. And so when I was a little bit nervous to get on here tonight, like, oh my gosh, I have no notes. I got no questions. I have no outline. I have no script. What is this? What are we even going to talk about? What even is this? I could tell. Because you asked me like three times. I know. Are you sure you don't want to send me an outline? Are you sure you don't want to send me questions that I can prepare very eloquent answers for? My type two-ness answered you because I'm a type two. Like it was my type two answering you with those bullet points. Yeah. You were like, well, here's a few concepts we might cover. But I I literally, I prepped absolutely nothing. I have nothing open on my computer right now. I'm staring into the abyss of my bedroom. Like I'm not even looking at a computer screen, which is so foreign to me when I'm doing a podcast. I feel very ill prepared. (laughs) Well, it doesn't feel like that when I listen to your podcast. Oh, well, that's good. It doesn't feel like it's like scripted. P.S. Oh, that's good. That's good. I wouldn't have guessed that. We do. We ad lib a little bit. I mean, we're not just, you know, reading from a script, but we do. um, We prep pretty heavily for that show, which is just one more reason why it's it's a lot of work. (laughs) You could tell. Maybe people can tell that I didn't for this one. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did prep, but I didn't want you to prep because I just want to chat. Yeah. (laughs) See what happens. It was actually very. I can't believe we've been talking for so long. So. I hope any of this was useful to you. (laughs) I mean, our last conversation, which was also unscripted and just kind of like, you know, we talked a lot about mommy guilt on last time. And I am going to republish that episode along with this one so people can listen to the first one. Um, Oh, gosh. I have no idea what I said on that episode. We we just talked about mommy guilt a lot. And I was going through it a lot of it. And you kind of coached Mm. me through it. Not going to lie. There was a lot of times where I said, personal research. (laughs) Can you answer this question for me? Because I was going through a time where it was hard for me to kind of cut the umbilical cord Uh, for my kids. And, uh and, um, yeah, but there's been a lot of progress in my life and I think in yours as well since then. And so, um, I think it's interesting for Mm. people to, to listen to both. So, uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on the first episode, so I'm sure that People are going to be a fan of this one. Oh, great. But I appreciate the type threeness in you sticking with me in this messy <laughs> conversation about Harry Styles and then, you know, damage in marriage and yes, all the things. We really covered a lot of ground tonight, didn't we? We did. We did. That's that, that's typical, Marcela. I'm just strangely like teeny bopper and deep at the same time. But, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Well, thank Tomorrow you so much. Tomorrow I may or may not send you <laughs> Harry Styles memes. Be Please like, do. I need to go check out my Explore page and see. You know our phones are spying on us, so by now that's probably already been loaded into my Explore section on Instagram. <laughs> Let me know if Amazon Alexa was listening if you have one. I have one like right uh, next to me. I don't have one in my bedroom, but I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation and then the next time I open my phone, whatever I was talking about is popping up on my instagram feed it's very very creepy that's why i merged away from gmail i very Mm. very rarely use gmail anymore really proton mail yes i don't use chrome or safari i use firefox i have a password manager 
Um, I'm and I use a VPN. You are like locking I'm, it down. I am so lazy. I have all the things you're not supposed to have, and everything is spying <laughs> on me all the time. And I'm just like, well, it's 2019. This is just it is what it is. I don't have time to figure out a new solution here. This is. Just, I don't have anything to hide either. But it just. It angers it's me that un- they're making money. No, it's un- it's unsettling. I'm not gonna lie. When I have a conversation with someone and then I open up my Facebook and the ad for that thing that I was just speaking about is popping up, I mean, it's very unsettling. I mean, maybe when all three of your kids are in school at the mm-hmm. same time for mm-hmm. like many hours, you know that mm-hmm. time that we dream about as parents. Yes. Maybe then you can get one password and <laughs> proton mail and all the cool things that will, but it's just, Friend, you have I'm going to tell then. you, I have so many other things I want to do with my time when my kids are all <laughs> in school. <laughs> I'm going to the movies. I'm stocking up on my milk duds. I'm going to just be living my best life. You're going to have so it's much cereal. only five years from now. I you realize that like years. cereal is like your thing, like your internet thing. Cereal and the slippers. I now have and two the slippers now. legacies that I've left on the internet and it is yeah. eating cereal for dinner and the $20 slippers that everyone has bought. And you know what? Uh-huh. I'm, act- I'm, act- I'm actually totally fine with it. Like this is fine with me. I was lis- I listened to this podcast or I used to listen to a podcast where the host talks a lot about mac and cheese and like how oh, mac yeah. and cheese is her thing. Mm-hmm. I know you know you know who I'm talking about. And and I was like, okay, so her thing is mac and cheese. All right. Your thing is cereal. And I'm like, what yeah. is my thing? And I'm like, I you know what my thing. thing is. What is it? No, no, I have one. It's going to sleep ridiculously early. Oh I that's a good sleep, one. That's a good like, habit. If I could make t shirts for my podcast, it uh-huh. would say sleep is spiritual. Oh because good. I believe that to my core and I say it like on almost every episode because mm-hmm. I usually am asleep by like 8.30. That's amazing. I am a lifelong insomniac. I'm a terrible oh, sleeper. Oh, I know. I shouldn't even have brought terrible. this up. It's true. I take sleeping pills every single night. It is, it's horrible. It's a real significant problem in my life. So I, mm. I admire your thing and your legacy of going to bed early because I think that is a beautiful habit and I so badly wish that I could have it. Is it useful to you though with a, with a baby that you don't sleep that much? Um, because I, it is very bad for me when I have a newborn. Yeah. Like very yeah. bad. People are like, but you slept six hours. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I might uh, faint if I sleep uh-huh. six hours. I need yeah. nine. Um, Presley is sleeping through the night mostly. So I feel like I shouldn't complain. She still wakes up once in a blue moon, but generally speaking, she sleeps through the night. I just have a really hard time falling asleep. And then when I am asleep, if I wake up at any point in the night, whether it's Presley crying or I have to go to the bathroom or whatever, I can, my brain just thinks it is like party time. And I start thinking, this is probably a three thing. I just start thinking of everything I have to do the next day or everything I have to do the next week or the next month or the next year. I start just going down this rabbit hole of endless to do's that never stop. I just, I could think in the middle of the night about 47 things that I have to do. Hmm. Isn't that gross? I hate it. I hate it about myself. And I don't know. I don't know how to make it stop. Right now that I, you know, get up to the bathroom 15 million times Uh a night. I mean, I think about the most ridiculous things to Mm -hmm. go back to sleep. Yeah. It's it's very strange. How do you go back to sleep? Like, I don't know how to get up and pee and then go back to sleep. If I get up and pee, I'm awake for 45 minutes, like minimum. Okay. There's a very strange, again, people are going to think I'm so weird. No, I want to, I want to hear, coach me. So it's a thing that, uh, it, 
I, I do something that's similar that I learned about through centering prayer, okay. which somebody said once mm-hmm. at a centering prayer, like during a podcast episode about centering prayer or in a book. I don't remember where I got it, but that centering prayer sometimes feels like you're getting a hug from God. Oh. And I'm like, that's true. Cause I felt it in centering prayer where it's not like you're feeling something where you just yeah. feel, you know, people can probably feel this just when they're meditating where it's yeah. just, you feel zen and i don't mm-hmm. know when you when you're like in the zone mm-hmm. um so sometimes when i like get back in bed and i can't fall back asleep i'm like i wonder what it m- might feel like to have a, a hug from god <laughs> <laughs> no, people are like, that's so weird. <laughs> I, I really like that i think it's very sweet and that sounds i don't know like uh i'm having a vulnerability no, hangover at I, this moment I, I, well, I don't want you to feel. I don't want you to have a vulnerability hangover. I feel like that's like a healthier and holier way to fall back to sleep. It's completely than selfish. Counting, I want to fall back to sleep. That's why I'm doing it. Or you know something else stupid that you're supposed to relax your mind with. I mean, I think it's great. You do you. If it's working, I mean, maybe I should try it. <laughs> I'll it's report the back tonight holiest, when most I'm up. Selfish thing. <laughs> tonight when I'm awake at 3 a.m. going to the bathroom and then trying to fall back to sleep, I will. <laughs> I will try to visualize myself getting a hug from God and see if it works. <laughs> Please report back on how that goes. I'll report back tomorrow. You can put my put my notes in the show notes. All right. Well, start talking about the fact that sleep is spiritual. It's almost 10 p.m. here. Oh, my gosh. I'm, you need to I'm go to sc- bed, girl. <laughs> I do. Good thing I'm in my Boston College super fan shirt ready to get under the covers. You're down for business. And let my husband back into the room, but he's out there watching golf. Aww. He's He's so happy that this happened because he's always complaining about the fact that we go to sleep early oh but he falls asleep before me so i'm oh. like you do realize that he's like well, i used to visit you when we were dating like at nine after work in the gym and everything and now we're asleep before nine i'm like but you do realize that you're asleep before i am so like your body in- is enjoying it like yes. you know what i mean the body's asking for it yes. so i don't know oh. but yeah he's enjoying watching golf uh out well, of the thank, living room thank you for staying up late to talk to me no, i feel very really honored <laughs> This was very fun. Thank you for making the time with three kids. I don't even know how you do it. You know, bow. I, I in Spanish is te rindo el gorro. I, I bow down. Oh Seriously. gosh, I'm gonna be there soon. I told you, and I'm, I need all I'm the, the I'm the B plus mom. So you know, the boys are still <laughs> awake. Their bedtime was 30 minutes ago, and I can hear them out there. My husband's I'm in so charge sorry. right now. Okay, go put them to sleep. I feel uh, so bad. No, My, don't feel the bad. Type two in me is feeling terrible right now. I'm going to just stay in this room until I hear that they have been to bed and then I will come out. It's a good plan. Yeah. It's and good plan. go have some cereal. Yes, exactly. And that is a wrap on this episode with Ashley Gad of Coffee and Crumbs. Check out the show notes to check out where you can find her. I mean, ashleygad.com, Ashley Gad on Instagram and coffeeandcrumbs.net. Um, all the other links and stuff for what we talked about will be in the show notes. So check that out. Kinpodcast.com if you want to find that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this almost hour and a half interview with Ashley. I will be back next week with a new episode of The Kin Show. This is Marcela, your host, signing out.